rock on or whatever. I don't know. Fun fact, we're recording this for a second time because technical difficulties suck. Dan, how's it going? Actually, correct statement, man. We we were we were buzzing, we were banging last night. We had good conversations. We we both had a couple cocktails, and now we got to figure out how we do it sober in the middle of the day. It was our best podcast, I think. If you guys had the privilege to hear it, you would have been blown away. Not a doubt in my mind. Yeah, it was good. But let's see if we can recreate the magic here. See if we can make it happen as we finish up interleague play. Now we're moving back into divisional play. We're five weeks left in the season and things are tight. Things are definitely heating up. Obviously, in the Avengers division, things are kind of settled. But when we look at the Justice League, three teams are at 11 and 5. You talk about, um, uh, you know, just a crazy clusterfuck. Um, and right behind those 11-5 teams, we have Adam and Steve, um, not too far behind. Uh, Dan, how are you feeling in that division? It's not pretty right there. I mean, when we look at a divisional piece to it, I mean, we're talking about that there's two teams that are scoring a ton of points. Kevy doesn't score a lot of points. Adam's got points to beat Kevin with that. Uh-huh. So it's... but he's got to win a couple of these matchups. And then we get into these other two teams where it's, eh, you know outside chances for one, maybe not for the other one. Uh, what a division, man. What a division. But your division's going to be this way in the next two years as Sam continues to build players up. Jerry's going to, you know, begin to acquire talent here. Armand's going to be doing the same thing with it. Um, I think we're going to watch a little bit more of a balance becoming where I think Sam's next year is going to walk himself into a um, competing role. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's all going to ebb and flow, especially, you know, theoretically, if – one side just continues to get all the top draft picks. They're eventually going to get all the talent. And, you know, that's going to show like results for the competing side of things. But until then, you know, good luck, Justice League. Yeah. And it's (laughs) at that point in time where, you know, you got to move a couple pieces around in order to try to compete. Yeah. So on this pod, we're going to cover a few trade recaps. We are going to redo the first round of the rookie draft. And then we're going to finish with matchups. Sound good, Dan? I love it, dude. Let's let's get to rolling. Hells yeah. So we got a few trades, and the first one involves Nick Ruth and Zane. Uh, in this trade, uh, Nick's received Odell Beckham Jr., Tariq Cohen, and a 22 fourth-round draft pick. And Zane receives Mike Evans, J.J. Taylor, and a 2021 third-round draft pick. How you feeling about this one, Dan? So a couple big names get moved here. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. Evans is a massive name. OBJ is a big name. Cohen is a, is a pretty decent name with it. Um, my initial thoughts are eh, like, and, and I guess this is why. So Ruth's going to pick up a guy that tore his ACL, a guy that tore his ACL in a late fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. Zane's getting a guy that has shown that he can be the most amazing piece in that offense. Times where you're not sure if he's actually a part of that offense or if he's actually injured. Um, JJ Taylor obviously is running back into England, which is never a great thing to have in the Bill Belichick <laughs> style of, of life. And he's a guy that's, that's shown signs that he can get something done. Um, and then he's been non-existent for the last five weeks. Uh, one of them being a buy. And then we move a couple draft picks around. I'm, I'm indifferent. I, I don't see a whole lot of excitement for it. I just, we're moving some big names for a guy that wants to shell some points to make sure his picks. Okay. And a guy that wants to try and compete a little bit, but it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I think, I guess, I mean, I like Mike Evans a little bit more than Odell Beckham jr. I think both guys are a little like close, like in range. Um, I think Mike Evans is just a little bit ahead of Odell Beckham jr. But if you want to disagree, I don't really have much to argue against that. Um, I think Odell Beckham, or I'm worried about Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland. It just seems like they're not the, the he's the best fit with Baker Mayfield. Um, maybe that'll change, you know, next year. We'll see. Um, as far as the other pieces Nick acquires, I mean, getting to Rick Cohen, yeah, I mean, you said it's maybe a piece. I'm not sold. Um, another situation that I'm not sure the team knows how to use him best. So who knows? Maybe the Bears coaching situation will change this offseason. And if that's the case, maybe Tariq Cohen's um, value increases. For Zane, I think this is a slam dunk. You move a player in Odell Beckham Jr. that is has a torn ACL. Tariq Cohen also has a torn ACL. And you get Mike Evans, who, um, yeah, he really hasn't done much with when Chris Godwin is healthy and I'm very concerned to see what he does when Antonio Brown's active, 
but he's still a body and he does well. And when there's injury issues, which Tampa has had, he's performed well. So I think this is a win for Zane and for Nick, I'm indifferent on it. Yeah. I mean, both players have three weeks where they've scored under 10 points. Obviously, I'm not sure what injury pieces there. I know Odell's got one of those where he is an injury piece to it. But, I mean, obviously Odell's got all those trade rumors where everybody's, you know, oh, where they're going to move Odell, they're going to do this. And it's interesting to look at because both these guys have pretty hefty contracts um, to deal with. Both guys are unrestricted free agents in 24 with it. Um a lot of front half money for OBJ, a lot of back half money for Evans. Um, Evans carries a lot more dead weight in his contract than OBJ does. Yeah. So very interesting pieces with these two guys. When we look at, obviously, from a dynasty's perspective, being longer term with it, it's where are these guys going to end up? And if OBJ is not the answer in Cleveland, well, there's uh-huh. got to be the answer somewhere. Maybe it's Chicago. Maybe it's Chicago. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, contrary to what drunk uh, Dan thought last week, Mike Evans is probably not going anywhere. Um, And Odell Beckham, probably not. But, you know, we probably thought Odell Beckham was not going to leave the Giants after signing that huge contract. So you can't rule anything out, but um, you're absolutely right. It's dynasty and situations can change. This is about the long term. It's not just a season. Um, You got to bet on these players and their talent and just hope that that eventually will persevere to the top. All right, let's move on to the next one. And this trade involved you, Dan. Uh, You sent a 2021 second-round draft pick, that is Adams, um, for Joshua Kelly and a 2021 fourth-round draft pick, that is also Adams. Adams picks are horrors, apparently, and just get traded around the league. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I'll start with my thoughts, and you can chime in with your kind of thought process with it. It reminds me a lot of your Alexander Madsen trade, in the sense that, did you get better? Sure. I can't argue that. You got a player, you move draft picks, done. That makes sense. But, I mean, just was it the best use of assets? You know, should you have maybe gone for a player that could help more long-term? Uh, Kelly has, you know, he's a rookie. He's been respectable. But he's certainly not going to be, you know, taking Austin Eckler's role. Um, so, I, I don't love it for you. Um, just because I think maybe the assets could have been used on a player that could help you contribute the entire season and hopefully into the playoffs. Yeah, it's very similar to the other trade. And I, I made the move again because of what I needed. So mm-hmm. Philip Lindsay, obviously, I was unsure with sharing backfield time with Melvin Gordon and not having Melvin Gordon kind of hurt. And then Gus Edwards had a tough sled matchup against Pittsburgh. So I wasn't feeling good there. And the rest of my options weren't very good. And this is one where you see reports that, hey, Eckler's not going to be there. Kelly and Jackson are going to be split in time. One of these guys is going to hold up. And you hope that the rookie is going to go through and, and make hay and do it. And I take my shot hoping that, again, like I, like I did last week um, with or the week that I traded for Madison, I did it this week hoping that Kelly's going to give me a, enough to beat Zane. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I should have started the other two guys. Um, I, ended <laughs> up, I ended up, you know, barely beating Zane by, by less than five points. What a nail-biter that was, brother. Um, not, not a fun one to have to sit down and be staring at a, at a TV screen on Monday night sweating your ass off with it. Um, but this gave me an opportunity to hopefully make more points than what I could have potentially had. It didn't pan out for me this week, but I get a rookie. I get a guy that's a little bit younger. You get a guy that hope spells out like Austin Eckler did when Melvin Gordon was in um, LA with mm-hmm. it. So oh, that's yeah. kind of where it was. And I, it's a shot in the dark with it. I it's a young kid and I value him at a second round. I, I think he's a second round player. So hedging into, to, to the, to the piece there, I won't have in my first 12 in the draft recap, but I think Kelly's worth a second round pick. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. He's, on the field and he's performing adequately well um so i i buy all that i think um still think maybe the assets could have been used better elsewhere but um you know i can't say that i'm right i can't say that you're wrong so who knows yep it's it's very interesting and it's all luck oh yeah absolutely and we had one more trade go down this one actually didn't um we didn't get a chance to review it because when we previously tried to record this pod it did not happen uh, this trade just went down this Wednesday and uh, involved Nick Ruth again, and this one included Stefan. Uh, Nick Ruth sent uh, Eric Ebron a 2022 second-round draft pick, a 2022 third-round draft pick. Both those are Nick Ruth. And Stefan sent Zach Ertz. Dan, how are you feeling about this one? 
So another big name gets moved. Obviously, yep. you watch Zacherts go through in and take pieces. So when we look at Stefan's roster with with what he's got going on, Jimmy Graham has been relatively decent in Chicago. Um, he's had he's one, two, yeah. oh, God, yes. No, I mean, when, when we signed Graham and as part of our tight end brigade at one point <laughs> in time, it was nobody understood what the hell was going on. Um, but he's had, what do we got, one, two – two weeks under 10 points. Everything else has been above 10 points yep. with it. Tyler Higby has been lost in translation. Everybody was super excited that Tyler Higby was going to be the man there. And he's really been lost. Cameron Gray uh -huh. got a, got a small pickup with the fact that OJ Howard went down, but the problem is that there's still a Gronkowski sighting there mm -hmm. with it. And then obviously Ertz has some, has an injury piece this way. And Stefan wants to win and wants to win now. And you get a guy like Eric Ebron, who's, really shown up with obviously, you know, Kevin's getting a hard on right now as we continue to talk about Eric Ebron with it, but you know, had first week at three, second week at eight, and then went through and put up 18, a couple, two bust weeks in there, but 14 in week seven, 16 last week. Um, and in a tight end premium league, obviously volume is, is key there. Uh, target share has had at least four targets all but one week reception wise has caught a ball in every single week that he's played. So you're going to, so he's shown that you can get something only found the, the end zone twice so far. Um, overall on it though, I like that Nick gets Zach Ertz. Um, it's a guy that's proven that he can do it as long as he can, can come back, be healthy off the injury with it it's a very encouraging piece. Yes. Do I think he's going to lose some snaps to Dallas Goddard? Yes. Um, but overall, I think it's a, it's a good trade for Nick with it. I think Stefan gets a piece that he needs to help contend. Um, and you hope that it pans out. Yeah, this trade, it, it's really tricky. Um, mostly because Zach Ertz, I don't really know how to view him um, going into the season. I think people still thought of him as a top five tight end, um, but maybe slipping and, uh, you know, at the start of the year, he was trying to get a contract extension. The Eagles were like, nah, we're good. And then he was just very disappointing when he was on the field. And now he's out with a, I believe, high ankle sprain, pretty serious injury, probably out for four to six weeks. Um, so he's not really going to do much of anything this year, maybe towards playoff hunt. He could help Nick. I don't know. Um, but it's what does Zach Ertz look like in the future? Um, if you still think he can be an unquestioned top 10 tight end, I think this is a very cheap price that Nick paid. Um, but I don't think Zach Ertz is locked into that. Um, and he's going to be someone to watch because um, the Eagles do have a out in their contract and can move on from him this offseason. So if that's the case, you know, where does Zach Ertz end up? Um, he, there's definitely situations he can go to and he'll be the featured guy. And if he's healthy and able, he's going to be a top 10 guy. But I don't know. Um, and, you know, tight ends can fall off a cliff, especially physical tight ends. We saw this with Rob Gronkowski in New England, and he had to take a year off and, you know, join WWE, uh, enjoy some marijuana and just live that life um, to come back. Yeah, that too. He just lived life for a bit and, you know, good for him. Uh, but, you know, tight ends just get beat up. So the question is, is can Zach Ertz bounce back? I think for Nick, Paying a second and a third, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and Ebron, you know, let's talk about for Stefan. I I don't know. Yeah, Ebron's a body. He's going to play. I'm not sure he's better than Jimmy Graham. Um, I don't know what Stefan's expectations are. Um, if this is just, you know, a body, I don't know. I mean, I think he's very comparable to Tyler Higby. Um, so maybe Stefan just wants to bail on Deckards, get the second and third, and get some sort of tight end to fill in. Yeah, I guess. Um, so I don't hate it for Stefan. Um, the Zachary situation had to be frustrating this year. Um, he's been mega disappointing. And, you know, now might be the only chance to cash in. So um, I can definitely see if that was Zane's, or Stefan's approach, um, why he did it. Um, I probably like it a little bit more for Nick, but I'm a gambler and it will probably shoot myself in the face. <laughs> yeah, and it it, I guess when you look at it from the Graham to um, Ebron Higby. comparison yeah. with it, and then and then you can throw Higby in there. Yep. Which guy has the best quarterback? Um, Big Dick Nick is pretty good. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I, you got to go Ben Roethlisberger. You got to go Ben, and you take a player that plays in that one, understanding that you know there's a couple additional mouths to feed with it. Yep. Um, you know, Chicago really has one other big mouth 
um, to go through and, and feed that way. So volume wise, you get a little bit more from Jimmy Graham, but playmaker wise and your ability to get the ball in good situations, I'll take big Ben all day. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I think honestly, and I'll call it now, Stefan is going to hate owning a not like set and forget tight end. Uh, because I think it's going to be like a Russian roulette trying to figure out between Eric Ebron, Tyler Higby, and Jimmy Graham, and which tight end is the best one to start. I know Ebron's had two solid weeks back-to-back, but he can fully shut the bed. Hopefully he won't this week against Dallas, but we'll see. Yep, and we can move on now so Kevin can, you know, have a couple minutes to catch his breath after, you know, hearing so much about Eric Ebron. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. We're going to redo uh, the first round of our rookie draft pick. Uh, and we're just going to go, you know, one through 12. We're not going to like the first pick doesn't represent Sam. This is just what we would do if we had the first pick, second pick and so on. Um, so, Dan, you drew the short straw and you are you get the honor of going first. Who are you taking yeah. at 1.1? So in our original draft, Joe Burrow went 1.1 and I'm going to leave Joe Burrow there. I think Joe Burrow, he's QB number 12, 13th overall fantasy player on the list. Um, he's looked good with some decent weapons with a really shitty offensive line mm-hmm. with it. And it's very encouraging to watch him throw the ball as often as he is. I mean, we're talking anywhere between 30 to 61 pass attempts with it. Uh, he's had four or five games over 300 yards and one over 400 with it. He's turned the ball over understanding this, um, that he's going in there, but he's got 11 TDs in the air, five interceptions, three rushing touchdowns. He's got 371 yards on the ground. He's over 2000 yards in the air. He's really showing that he can do this and he's getting the ball to, to Tyler Boyd, to, to Harrison Bryant, no wrong team. Sorry. Um, <laughs> to, to T. Higgins, um, T. Higgins, AJ Green, AJ Green, which uh, this guy's doing everything that he can. The problem is, is he can't stay upright because his offensive line is trash sacked mm-hmm. in, Every week other than last week against Tennessee was sacked seven times against Baltimore, eight times against Philadelphia. So he's doing everything that he can to give this team a winning opportunity. So I'm going to take Joe, Joe Burrow at one. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I'm curious, was this uh, like a no-brainer pick or was it at all close for you? I, there was one other name that I think I would have considered here, but with what I've seen out of Joe Burrow, I'm going to take Joe Burrow. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think for me, I'm going to go with, Maybe the other name you're thinking of, and that's got to be Justin Herbert. Um, he's exceeded all expectations, I think, for the LA Chargers. Um, he's, I mean, he started because of an accident because the team's oh. doctor fucked up two Rod Taylor's uh, lung, uh, punctured it. And, you know, Herbert has not looked back. Um, I was definitely wrong. I thought he was going to be a bust. I got kind of Mitchell Trubisky flashbacks, but. He has one of the best deep balls in the league. Um, over a 16-game season, he's on pace for almost 40 touchdowns, which is insane. Um, like Joe Burrow, I think he's got good wide receivers, good running backs, but he needs line help. Um, both Herbert and Burrow are franchise quarterbacks. Um, they're going to be dynasty fantasy staples for years to come. So he's he's got to be the pick at number two. Yeah, it's, it's hard to argue against 15 passing touchdowns, five interceptions, same thing as as Joe Burrow with it, uh, two rushing touchdowns and 142 yards on the ground. And it's, you know, Terod Taylor just so rough taking a taking a, a needle in the wrong spot with it. But, yeah, I, I, I like the pick there. All right, where are we going at number three? So number three is very interesting because this is where you could start moving some things around potentially and do this. But we play in a two QB league. And yep. quarterbacks are very important. And we're going to watch potentially four or five teams change quarterbacks going into next year. I'll take two a year. Understanding we've only seen them one game. We watched them play against the Rams. It wasn't overly spectacular. 93 yards passing. He threw a pick with it. But you got to go through and give this guy time to develop. And you never want to open up against the Rams team, which is arguably one of the best defenses in the entire league. He gets Arizona coming up here. It's a, it's a more favorable match, a little bit tougher. But then we start moving into some very vulnerable defenses where he can really show and shine. Not as many offensive weapons, which you hope that Miami is going to go through and take care of with it. But Devontae Parker's looked pretty damn good as we've gone through and really worked with um, the offense here. And getting a running game is going to help. And Miles Gaskin hopefully can continue to do what he's doing with it. So I'm going to take two at three. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that. I mean, I think it's important to just consider when we're doing like this redo of the draft. Like, 
all rookies have sort of different expectations. You know, Tua we knew wasn't going to start. Um, he had his first game, and yeah, he did awful. Um, but, you know, this was kind of expected. You know, you didn't draft Tua with the intents of him just starting week one and dominating. Um, so some of these guys we're going to mention aren't going to be guys that are lighting the world on fire, but we just, you know, we like their situations. We like them beforehand, and they're performing how we expected them to perform. So... Um, two up, I really can't argue with that pick. Um, it's a super flex league quarterback, most important position, arguably. Yeah, I like it. Beautiful. Number four, what are you doing? This might be a surprise, maybe a reach. I don't know, but I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson. Uh, the reason I'm going with Justin Jefferson over a lot of other talented wide receivers we have in this class, um, a lot of highly drafted running backs is because we've already seen just the elite potential that he can do. He's got two games already over 30 points, which is impressive for any fantasy player, but especially a rookie at a wide receiver position uh, to do over the first seven games of his career. Um, And I think one of the things that really sealed the deal for me is uh, last week against the Packers was watching Jair Alexander, like shadow him the entire game. Uh, He wasn't, guarding Adam Thielen. He wasn't lining up to stop him. He was more concerned and the team is more concerned about Justin Jefferson, which I think speaks volume to how in the NFL, they already view him as a very special player. Um, Jefferson's, I mean, he's had some games in the single digits, but those two big games kind of shows the tantalizing upside. Um, He might be limited by Kirk Cousins, but for right now, he's been very impressive for me. So I'm going to go Justin Jefferson at four. Yeah, it's an interesting pick. And anytime you get the you get to be a rookie playing alongside a guy that's viewed to be an absolute stud, it makes your life a little bit easier. And the fact that you do have a Jair Alexander shadow means you're obviously doing something right and getting some respect from defensive coordinators and taking care of that. But yeah, I mean, we've got one, two, three weeks over 100 yards on the receiving side of things. Not too shabby with it. I would have personally gone him here. Uh, I would have picked a different wide receiver, um, which I'll move into at number five. So you mentioned it. Hey, we're not. We've got a lot of these higher tiered running backs, but we've watched this. A couple of these receivers really break out, and I'm going to take T. Higgins at five. And I think this is a guy that we watched go in the second round. Um, we weren't really sure what was going to happen with Tyler Boyd and AJ Green being there, but he's really showed up. So one week over 20. Um, every other week except for week two, he's been over 10, just below 20. But he's getting the volume pieces to it. At least three receptions since week two in every single week found the end zone three times with it this is a guy that's developing chemistry with a younger uh quarterback and joe burrow and you've got to feel really excited about the fact that it's a pass happy offense this guy's getting his opportunity to shine uh wide receiver number 23 in ppr formats with it he's exciting he's great footwork last week he had that spectacular toe tap to to bring one in i i'm gonna take t higgins here yeah, I, I mean, T. Higgins is great. I think he's in a very pass-happy offense. Right now, he's third on the target chart for the Bengals, and I think stats are maybe just a little bit inflated because they're the most passing-happy team in the league. Um, not to discount T. Higgins, but I think I would have maybe considered a few players ahead of him. Um, definitely first-round first worthy, though. Um, but for me, at pick six, I'm going to go with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, he... You know, I think the last like few weeks, there's been maybe some disappointment um, just because of the fact they brought in Le'Veon Bell. I don't think that's an indictment against Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. I think it's just more the fact that they could get an elite player um, that could help them. And hey, you can't turn that down, especially when he's cheap. Um, Edwards, Hilaire has been awesome because, or the thing that I really like about him is prior to this week and they played the Jets, but they used basically that as a preseason game. No one played a lot of snaps outside of Mahomes, and even Mahomes got benched at a certain point. Um, he's only has two rushing touchdowns on the year, but prior to this week, weeks one through seven, he's just consistently been in the mid to upper teens in scoring, um, and he's doing all that without getting the touchdowns. So those will definitely come. I think um, long-term, this there's no running back that has a ceiling as high as uh, Clyde does. I agree, especially playing on this offense. With it, they need him to be able to run the ball and run the ball efficiently so that Mahomes can do Mahomes things with the offensive weapons that they have. Um, the big interesting piece, and, and I'm going to steal your thunder because you talked about it yesterday, but I'm going to take it from here, is, is <laughs> what he's been doing in the receiving game with it. Week two, he had six receptions. Uh, he's had at least three receptions in every single week other than week one and week seven. 
that's pretty damn impressive. So he's getting some volume and some respect out of there from a screen perspective, from a uh, safety blanket perspective. If for whatever reason you've got two guys deep covering Tyree Kill or you've got an extra linebacker on Travis Kelsey. Um, but yeah, this guy's fantastic. Heck yeah. Where are we going next? Seven. So I'm going to continue the run on running backs here and I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor and Jonathan Taylor has had one, two weeks below uh, 10 points with it, but everything else has been mid to upper teens with it. Um, He's shown that he can take the bulk of the carries. I mean, we've seen him high as 26 carries in week two, but he's staying right around anywhere between that 11 to 17 range. Um, as we go, obviously he had an ankle injury coming in or on a week eight. So, you know, not overly great, but you know, he's got a hundred attempts on the year, 389 yards. He's found the end zone three times with it. Um, just a guy that you can see continue can, can continue to carry the workload for it. Um, obviously watch some Naheem Hines um, expectations. Uh, Jordan Wilkins obviously really kind of stepped in last week and took care of business with it. Um, but I like Jonathan Taylor here. Yeah. I don't know about Jonathan Taylor. I'm a little worried. I think he's been pretty disappointing uh, relative to the expectations he had. Yeah, he's a rookie, but he went to at least, you know, preseason, you know, after the minute he was drafted, maybe the most talented line in the NFL. Uh, everyone's like, oh my gosh, he gets to run behind Quentin Nelson for his entire career. Um, but Jonathan Taylor just hasn't done, like, at least on the ground game, he hasn't been overly impressive. We haven't seen those big runs. We haven't seen those breakaways. He's just been blah. And hey, for blah, he's been fine. I mean, he's giving you serviceable numbers, but I just, I don't know. I, he's the one running back I think I'm a little bit concerned about. Um, he's and, running back 19 in PPR formats. So. Yeah, I mean, he's getting the work, but we'll see how long the Colts keep doing that because, I mean, Naheem Hines has been sensational in the passing game. And Jordan Wilkins, I mean, yeah, you can mention Jonathan Taylor. We'll see if that ankle injury, how bad it was. But Jordan Wilkins, for the first time the entire year, produced like, or actually until Mar- or prior to Marlon Mack getting injured, because the first week for the first half, Marlon Mack was great rushing the ball. Um, Jordan Wilkins like rushed the ball amazing this week, um, much better than Jonathan Taylor has ever produced um, this year. So I don't know. That's maybe I'm just too far out there, but I'm a little concerned with Jonathan Taylor. Okay. All right. So you get to pick at eight. Yeah, and I'm going to go with a uh, running back. Um, I would have taken him before Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to go with J.K. Dobbins. I think, um, again, we go back to expectations. Um, no one expected J.K. Dobbins to come in and produce right away. He was drafted to a Baltimore team that had, you know, Lamar Jackson runs the ball a lot as a quarterback. Um, and then Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. So Dobbins hasn't had the opportunity to really produce. But when he has come in, um, in very limited touches, he's been very explosive with the ball. He's looked like a game changer, a very elite back. And he had maybe his most impressive game of the year against one of the toughest defenses in the NFL against Pittsburgh Steelers, going for over 100 yards on limited carries. Um, I wonder how this backfield is going to shake out going forward, because I think Dobbins earned a lot more playing time. And uh, um, I mean, this might be his backfield to lose, but J.K. Dobbins is the easy pick for me at number eight. Yeah, this sucks because it's obviously I'm the guy that owns um, Gus Edwards and, and Mark Edwards, and it's not great with it. And obviously, this is on Kevin's roster, which makes that just more that much more embarrassing with it, because um, <laughs> it's not something that I can control in some of those pieces. And yeah, you're right; he's shown that he has the ability to do it. Now, let's see what he gets to do where he has a lot of the bulk and workload. He plays Indianapolis this week, which you know could be very interesting. Uh, New England, Tennessee, the weeks after, and then goes back to Pittsburgh. Um, so we'll see. But I, I yeah fantastic and let's see what he can do but it's a great situation that he's now in and you're right it's his to lose all right where are we going at pick nine okay so pick nine we're gonna go to pittsburgh and we're gonna take chase claypool with it and chase claypool has had one outstanding mother freaking week against philadelphia um has had a negative point week against tennessee with it but this is a guy that 
has shown that he can be a super explosive and obviously comes out of uh, one of my favorite schools in the University of Notre Dame with a wide receiver 25 in PPR format. So top 30 guy right now from a points perspective, but anytime you put up 42 in, in a week, you can, you're going to get there with it. But I, he found the end zone and he's shown that he can be reliable in big situations. Um, so you've got to feel good there. He's fumbled three times. So that's very concerning. He's only lost one of them, which is encouraging. Um, so if he can continue to secure the ball and do everything there, but he's, he's now becoming the Juju Smith-Schuster to the Antonio Brown. He's, he's really stepping up and feeding off of the attention that Juju's getting. Yeah. I mean, he, he reminds me a lot of Justin Jefferson in the sense that he's been a little bit inconsistent, but we've seen just the super high ceiling and I'm with you. He's got all the measurables. He's in a great offense, a great organization that always has a good team, always has a good quarterback. I think Claypool is a stud. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Pick 10. I'm going to go with maybe the most polarizing, you know, highest riser player on this list. And let's go James Robinson running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's an undrafted free agent rookie running back, which, hey, if you've been talking to Sam to try to get him, you're using that against him every second of the way. And it's understood because that's risky. But right now he is the second running back, or I think last week was the second running back because he was on a bye um, in the NFL in scoring for fantasy. Um, he is a three down back. He's getting work in the rushing game and the passing game. And he's doing that with a questionable like team around him. Um, if his name was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, he would be not only like the th- second or third pick in this redo, he would be like maybe the second or third running back in all of the NFL um, from a dynasty perspective. That's how good his production has been. But because his name's James Robinson and he didn't get drafted, he's going to have a little bit of disrespect. And I can't fault that. But, I mean, right now at pick 10, he is the knowest of brainer picks for me. Yeah, and I think it's it's very interesting to see what happens and continues to happen with this with this backfield with some of this. Obviously, you know, um, what's his nuts? Uh, Raquel Armstead has had massive COVID problems with some yep. of it, and you wonder how career-threatening those are going to be to him or if he has the ability to come back. Is that going to eat into anything James Robinson has shown that he can do? Um, obviously that offense is not the greatest Gardner Minshew is obviously is, is not playing. He's got a hand fracture with it. So they're going to have to rely heavily on him with it. And this is where we need to continue to see, can he top, you know, a hundred yards like he's done in two weeks. Can he find the end zone, which he's done four times. Um, he gets a, a week off to, to think, or no, I'm sorry, we're going into week nine. So he's got Houston and then green Bay. So two really decent matchups to show that he can pick up the extra slack while the, the ball throwers out. Oh, yeah. I mean, and he's he's getting so much targeted work. He's on pace for over 60 catches as a running back, which for anyone is insane, but for a rookie is crazy. Um, yeah, but you're right. It's going to be interesting to see how the team views him. I think come like March, April, May, when we see free agency and the rookie draft pass, um, it'll be curious to see how the Jacksonville Jaguars approach uh, the running back position. Because if they don't like get another running back, if they keep James Robinson as like the guy, he's going to rocket up these rankings and both our redraft and both dynasty rankings in general. Yep. All so right, I got where one pick going? left. Yep. Where are we going here? One pick. Uh, I'm going to take a receiver here um, for the, what did I pick? Picked a couple of them, but I'm going <laughs> to take CD lamb and it sucks. There's no Dak Prescott get fours up, you know, get better soon Dak with it, but he's really shown that he can, be effective and take care of business when he's given the ball five receptions weeks, one through six um, hasn't missed a beat from getting the volume share just the last two weeks, which are rough where he had, you know, 0.1 fantasy points against Washington, who is one of the best pass defenses in there. And mm-hmm. then, you know, last week kind of got outshined by Michael Gallup who was the only one that Ben Denucci was going to throw the ball to, <laughs> but he's shown that he can take on the workload and really go through and, make the plays, be effective, put the blocks in when he needs to, but catch the ball and really open up the offense. Um, great situation when he has a healthy and functionable quarterback, but I, I like CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, I mean, obviously that entire offense just drastically changed when, um, you know, unfortunately the Dak Prescott injury occurred. But prior to that, I mean, Lamb was looking like the clear number two target and really challenging Cooper for maybe that number one status. Um, Lamb's a stud and, you know, 
hopefully Dak comes back healthy or maybe Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback. Who knows what Dallas Cowboys are going to do, but hopefully he has an NFL caliber quarterback because when Lamb does have that, he's going to produce huge numbers. I agree 100%. All right, last pick, number 12. All right, well, I'm going to continue my trend of taking running backs, and I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift, uh, running back for the Detroit Lions. He's been a bit frustrating to really no fault of his own. I think this coaching staff is kind of following in the New England Patriots mindset of, fuck you, we're going to play whatever running back we want and, you know, really just annoy fantasy owners. But I don't know how anyone can look at this offense and not see that Swift is the most talented. He's getting so he's getting a lot of work in the pass game. He's producing in the pass game. The rushing game has been a little bit disappointing, but he's come on of late. Um, I think Swift just has a very high high floor because of his work in the pass game. And I think even if he settles in as a high end like RB two, that's great value. But I think he's got even upside to be higher than that. So give me DeAndre Swift to close out this draft. Yeah, at least three receptions in every week other than the week he played Arizona. Hard to argue what he's doing in the passing game. And if he can get the, get it running right or if, you know, again, we never wish injuries upon anybody. But if Adrian Peterson takes a small dip or anything like that, this is a guy that's going to be posed to do big things. And you've got to be encouraging me and a DeAndre Swift owner that he's going to be the guy in the backfield for, for the Detroit Lions, hopefully under a different coaching staff. Yes, hopefully very much so under a different coaching staff. Well, that was a good redraft, man. Yeah. Is there, if you had to pick, you don't have to go into details, but who would be your next man up? If you had to pick just one guy, give me a name. Jalen Rieger, I think would be right there for me. Obviously he had an injury piece to it, uh, came back and looked, look super explosive, but I think yeah, Jalen Rieger jumps off the page at me. Could have also gone with Zach boss would be the two that I was kind of floating between. Uh, okay. I think for me, I'd probably go Jerry Judy just cause of the, um, I think, talents um and just betting on that long term but can't argue with those guys no sir all right so let's jump into the matchups or maybe before we start the matchups should we talk about just kind of the um playoff situation a little bit especially in the justice league how everything's shaken out yeah, I, th- I think that's a, it's something that we should spend a little time on. Obviously, so Justice League White, Stefan and myself and Kevin are all at eleven and five. Um, mm-hmm. Stefan has a ten point lead on me from actual scored points. Um, so chasing him by 10 points, but we move into some really tough matchups here. And I obviously will open up against Kevin this week who's the other team at 11 and five, but Kevin's sitting 90 points behind where, mm-hmm. where I'm at exactly almost to the T hundred points behind Stefan. That's a massive gap when we look at this and obviously points four are going to get you into the playoffs here. So if you're Adam, you got to go through and say, Hey, I need to go through and I need to start winning some of these matchups or hope Kevin drops a goose egg on an 0 two week with it to really kind of catapult myself up there. Chris is obviously just kind of, you know, dead in the water a little bit. 985 points is nothing that's going to be super exciting about with it. You're, you're, you're the fourth worst scoring team, at least from a points four perspective, the real interesting team. And I'll let you talk about him is Steve's team. Yeah, I mean, Steve finds himself in a very precarious situation because right now he is going to be four games behind you guys. Uh, but when we look at the tiebreaker point situation, he's, um, what, 170 points behind Kevin, um, over 100 points behind Adam, over 270 points, 80 points behind you and Stefan. Um, so he is very far behind in the point standing and then the tiebreaker. So unless he starts gaining in the points ground, which is possible, there's still five games left. But he's going to have to make up not just four games, but probably five games. And when we look at the season right now with five weeks left, there's uh, basically 10 total points between the head-to-head matchup and the top six point scorer points that are going to be assigned from here on out. Um, and if we assume Chris is kind of, um, you know, a floundering, you know, team right now and kind of on the outside looking in, let's treat him as a win. So that means there's nine points that are available. Um, if Steve goes eight and two, that means you would have to see either Stefan, yourself or Kevin go, um, what's like three and seven. Yep. Somewhere right around there. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's just, that's to be tied. So you'd have to go actually five games better. So he'd have to go to like two and, um, two and seven, excuse me, because the nine games. So if you go, if he goes eight and two, he has to see another team go two and seven. Um, It's just, it's really tough to see um, those games made up um, in such a short time sprint or top in, in a short amount of weeks. 
Um, so I don't know. I think Steve right now is basically in the playoffs in the sense that every week is a must win. He has to get those, you know, get the W's. Otherwise, um, this his season is, you know, over. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the fact, let's say, let's say for, you know, argumentative sake, Kevin goes six and six, doesn't, you know, just five six and five. Six, yeah, or five and five, sorry, five and five through the remaining here. Yep. So that puts Kevin at 16. Steve's at seven mm-hmm. right now, which means he needs to make up and he has to have nine to go to in the category. Has to no, go but nine and one. And he's got to make up the points. Yep. And then he's so got to. So he likely four. has to go 10 and 0. Yep. It's just, it's very difficult. Like the, 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 the math just isn't in his favor, to be blunt. It's really not. It's really not. But I, I believe you're owed a congratulations. You're <clears throat> guaranteed and locked into the playoffs there. Uh, I'm putting up over 1,400 points is simply absurd. I mean, you know, you're almost 200 full, or you're a full 200 points over both me and Stefan with it. Um, Zane gets a congratulation at 11 and 5. He's obviously got to be, he's going to be in the playoffs here with it. Um, Very Nick, Nick's most, I mean, yeah, Zane needs to win, get what, two points? Pretty I much, yeah. Total yep. there. Um, you know, Nick Roos going to, he's going to be in a, an ugly way to get in with it because I don't think Sam's going to be able to make up some of those ground, and Sam's been winning some matchups here. So yeah, Nick is going to stumble into the playoffs. Yep, he's gonna he's gonna be rebuilding in the playoffs, which is kudos for him. You know, you don't have to worry about taking you know any tests or anything like that. Um, so a well, lot and of... one thing just with Nick, I want to kind of give him props. Um, I think a lot of people would be maybe scared to rebuild because Nick doesn't have his first round draft pick, so it's not like he is getting that pick and he's like looking forward to a higher draft position. He doesn't own it, but like a lot of people would have like that sort of sunk cost fallacy in the sense that, oh well, I need to be good. I need to make stupid trades to try to contend. Nick re- is smartly realizing that that doesn't matter. He doesn't own the draft pick; it's irrelevant. And he's making these trades to kind of build for the future because that's what's going to help his team in the long run. Um, I think there's or, there's a few teams that don't have their draft picks that maybe um, are being could potentially be short sighted and think that they have to contend when in reality it's a sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, yep, I agree. So it'll be these last these next five weeks, and obviously with key matchups where we get one of them out of the way this week, where where I play Kevin, and then you know Stefan's got to play Adam. This is really really big to watch you know if steve's gonna have a chance he needs to see kind of a slaughter happen with these guys or with these matchups or just you know shit hit the fan because he's got the better matchup where he plays chris um but this is kind of where we're gonna watch the beginning for these four teams in the justice league begin to reshuffle yes big time uh so let's jump into the matchups and the first one we're going to talk about is going to be my team uh taking on armand's team and i think i've already devoted enough time to this matchup yeah, for I mean Armand, obviously you get excited that you have two there, Swift and everything. Uh, P Ryan's looked pretty decent with it. Mims is, you know, again we're talking about a Jets player. Too much so. time. Yep, I get it. I'm taking you. Yep, I'm taking me as well. Cool. All right, Sorry. next matchup we're gonna deal with Sam taking on Zane. Um, Sam's got a feisty team, but um, are we? Should we really devote much more time than us? No, I, I mean, obviously, when you're starting Lutton for Jacksonville, that's not great. Um, with <laughs> this, he's starting a quarterback. Some yeah, team. that's true. We have a team that's not going to be starting a quarterback this week. Um, but, yeah, it's – I mean, Burrow's on a bye. Obviously, if you had Burrow, you'd feel a lot more excited about potentially giving yourself a run. Just yep. not happening. Yeah. Um, Zane. It, it's Zane. We're going to take Zane here. All right, this matchup might be um, on the unintentional comedy scale um, a little closer than we might be thinking, and that's going to involve Nick Ruth taking on Jerry's team. Yeah, so Nick is a 50-50 shot not to start a quarterback this week. Yep, he's got Gary Gilbert uh, for the Cowboys. Yep, but he might not. But if Cooper Rush outperforms him, Cooper Rush is going to get the nod here. Um, You know, Jerry gets to start Kyle Allen, so... Mm-hmm. Already got to feel good with the fact that Kyle Allen's playing the New York Giants. Pretty and solid matchup. Garrett Gilbert's got to go through and play Pittsburgh. Maybe Nick just doesn't start the quarterback. <laughs> you know, and just, just says, I'm, I, you know, negative's not what I really need to. Um, you know, Jerry's got to like his wide receiver situation um, with obviously, you know, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. Um, 
Kendrick Bourne, which I was very, very big on Kendrick Bourne. You, you know, were last very, night, very hyped. Like I and was then, very excited, and then he got COVID today. So poor man got COVID. So yeah, so that's that sucks here. So I mean, obviously Jerry's got Zach Pascal that he can use as a replacement with it. So a couple pieces. Obviously T Higgins is on the buy there, um, but Nick's got a couple rough names for his side too. Projections only have this by three points. Yeah, so I'm maybe going the upsets here, but I'm going to go with Jerry. I'm going to take Nick and and think that him not starting a quarterback still is not going to make a difference with a you know sorry mm-hmm. old man, but I yep I just Nick's got too many really really good players to to overlook. All right, fair enough. Let's move on then to Steve's pseudo playoff game. He's taking on Chris's team. And um, all right, let's look at Steve's team um, and who he's got going this week. Uh, he has Big Ben uh, taking on Dallas Cowboys, which is a fantastic matchup. And he's also got Ryan Tannehill going against Chicago, which isn't a great matchup. Um, it'd be interesting. I wonder if there's any consideration to Matt Ryan. I think I would probably consider that. Yep. Um, at running back, he's got Justin Jackson going against the Raiders. Aaron Jones is currently in. This might be... This might be a big determinant here. Uh, he's taking on the Niners, but he's Aaron Jones is just a fantastic player, so we'll see. Um, at wide receivers, I mean, he's just got Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, both going up against the Cowboys. That's awesome. Um, Michael Thomas, is this the week he finally returns from week one? I don't know. Um, and at tight end, we have Noah Fant going against Atlanta. That's a solid matchup. Trey Burton has been um, decent of late. Um, since he's coming back, he's actually been sneakily decent, so we'll see. Um, and then we have uh, it's this David Johnson. Yeah, David Johnson uh, taking on Jacksonville, which is a good matchup. Um, when we look at Chris's team, the injuries just keep piling up with Jimmy Garoppolo out for um, at least three weeks. At least for three weeks. So he, at quarterback, he has no choice. He's going Cam Newton and Drew Locke. Uh, and then we have Zeke taking on Pittsburgh. That's a tough matchup. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire against Carolina. That's okay. Is is Tim Patrick going to be playing this week? No. So you factor Terry McLaurin in there. I don't. Think okay. Yeah, Terry is. McLaurin. Um, obviously, we have Will Fuller, uh, Darius Slayton, probably Nelson Aguilar, and then he'll probably go with the double tight end stack and Rob Gronkowski and Jonu jo Smith. Um, He's got some decent bench options too. You know, he does. Will Fuller against Jacksonville. Uh, obviously, we already talked about Terry McLaurin there. Um, yeah, I think Chris still has to maybe adjust his lineup a little bit. But um, who who are you feeling for this week? I like Steve. I, there's too many juicy matchups going around. Obviously, Big Ben playing Dallas with it. And then, I th- again, I still think you start Matt Ryan with it. Yep. If you get Michael Thomas back, that's a godsend for it. But, you know, Jermichael Hasty is going to get his opportunities if that game still get, if that game gets played nobody really knows yep. uh dj chark is obviously a big name but we're starting a really rough quarterback situation then you've got logan thomas um which if logan thomas gets to come back he's shown that kyle allen can find him and get him the ball with it um you know gotta feel good in those situations yes i mean this is just so tough um i know when we previously recorded this you you don't think aaron jones is gonna play this way i do not think aaron jones is gonna play no so I'm like wishy-washy. I think the news is kind of wishy-washy as well. And it's he's truly going to be a game-time decision. I think when we jump into the picks, I'm going to take Steve only if Aaron Johnson plays. If Aaron, or excuse me, Aaron Jones. If Aaron Jones is out, I'm going to roll with Chris. Is that, okay. is that kosher? Yeah, I'll put that in yellow so that I know that I got to change it. And when I look at it and I go back, I go, why the fuck is this in yellow? I'll know why. But this is, this is one of those pieces where you're only, you know, you're one win away from being tied with me so we're gonna see what happens i gotta swing for the fences i'm taking some risks this week i respect the decision man but let's get into probably you, the two most exciting matchups did you pick that matchup i t- i took um you took steve, steve yep yeah. okay just wanted to confirm all right yeah so these are the two real matchups either one could have been matchup of the week um and why don't we each break down a team let's cover uh the Steph stefan and adam matchup and you can break down whichever team you want first. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Stephens um, this way. Obviously, Tom Brady is playing the Saints, and Teddy Bridgewater's got Kansas City. So both options because Jared Goff is not playing this week. So feeling good there. He's stacking the Tampa Bay backfield with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. 
with it. Um, so I, both guys have shown that they can be exciting with it. It's who's going to get the Lions workload for it. Melvin Gordon's got a great matchup against Atlanta. Obviously, we're starting Eric Ebron. Brandon Cooks has been relatively solid um, the entire year. He's had one, two, three weeks under 10 points, and he's had a week over 30, which is fantastic. Um, so a lot of fun pieces. When I look at potential options or changes that's there, J.D. McKissick's an interesting one, but that's another really rough backfield situation. Um, Jacoby Myers had a nice week last week showing that, that I mean, 10 targets with it. So Cam Newton's trying to find him the ball. And then you've got Jimmy Graham with a rough matchup against Tennessee. So Stefan's got some good matchups. He's got some not so good matchups, but he's got a guy named Alvin Kamara. So you've got to feel good if you're, you're starting him each week. Yeah. That guy's pretty good at football. Uh, when we look at Adam's team, the injuries just keep coming. Uh, with George Kittle out for likely the season, that is a huge blow to Adam's team. Um, it just seems Adam this season, it's been one step forward, two steps back. Um, but when we look at who he's got, obviously Patrick Mahomes against Carolina, that's great. Uh, wide, er, running back, we're looking at Matt Breida, Chase Edmonds, who might be an upgrade over Kenyon Drake. So that, And then Chris Carson, we see he's currently in. We'll see if he ends up playing. Uh, at wide receivers, we have Julio Jones, Justin Jefferson, McCall Hardman, Corey Davis, who has been low-key yeah, spectacular crazy. this year. Um, we'll see if that, you know, luck continues because Adam's definitely going to need it. And then right now he's got, uh, uh, excuse me, Jordan Reed at tight end. Um, and then it looks like his quarterback, he's rolling with Nick Foles against Tennessee. When we look at the bench spots, there's two spots. I think he could maybe consider a swap. Uh, the first would be at that quarter, that second quarterback position. Should you go Nick Foles, Phillip Rivers, or Nick Mullins? I don't know. I mean, Rivers has a brutal matchup against Baltimore. Mullins is Mullins. He's been inconsistent. And Foles is Foles. I think if it was me, I would maybe roll the dice on Mullins just because of the matchup. But I wouldn't feel great about it. And I don't... God bless Adam for trying to figure this one out. Yep, I I might go Rivers just because of the experience piece to it. Um, But yeah, you're right. That's a, you know, throw a dart. Yeah. And I think the one other spot that maybe Adam has something to consider, and this would maybe be for a flex spot for maybe, I don't know, Hardman, Carson, maybe if he's out, would be uh, Tyler Irvin. Uh, He's going to be likely the running back if Aaron Jones is out for the Green Bay Packers. Um, You know, his name's Tyler Irvin, and we probably didn't hear about him until four months ago or, you know, four weeks ago. So who knows how he's going to be. But if you roll the dice... Irvin maybe is the guy to do it. So um, that's really the only options I see. Um, did I miss anything? No, I think you kind of covered. I think we hit each side. I think it's going to be a, this. This is going to be a very, very good matchup. And I think, you know, the question marks on Adam's side mm-hmm. is why Eileen Stefan in the matchup for it. I think there's a couple injury pieces and a couple other situations you've got to watch. So I'll take Stefan in a nail biter. Yep, I'm going to go Stefan as well. And I mean, for Adam, I mean, the Justice League, outside of the Chris matchup, it, there's no gimmies. Um, so you got to win these tough matchups. And Adam's already facing an uphill battle, being two games behind. So even if Adam, for whatever reason, can't beat Stefan this week, he still needs to have a lot of points and hopefully finish in the top six. But um, good luck, Adam. This, this week's going to be rough. Yep. And that means we have the matchup of the week, which is going to involve... A fun little rivalry. Uh, you're taking on Kevin's team. Two 11 and five teams for likely the rights to be in the maybe the first or the top team in the Justice League division. Um, how about I'll start breaking down Kevin's team and then you can give kind of your thoughts with where you sit on uh, your squad right now. Yeah, perfect. So when we look at Kevin's team, I mean, this news just kind of came out with the whole quarterback situation. Uh, Matt Stafford's on the COVID list. It doesn't seem like he's eligible. So his quarterback situation is pretty much decided for him. He's got to go Daniel Jones and Derek Carr. Carr's a good matchup against the Chargers. When we look at the running backs, I mean, Derek Henry, you know, he's spectacular. Todd Gurley, when he's scoring accidental touchdowns and touchdowns in general, he's close to an RB1 on the season. Um, Kelsey, phenomenal tight end. Then we get to, he has a lot of wide receiver options. Mike Williams, Brandon Ayuk, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Robbie Anderson, Roundup. 
his situation right now. I think uh, when we look at the bench in terms of guys to consider, uh, Kenny Galladay right now is out, um, or he's doubtful, unlikely to play. Um, and with Stafford being out, I don't even think you can consider Marvin Jones. Um, the only other guys that I think are maybe worthwhile options, potentially Le'Veon Bell, just because the Carolina Panthers' rush defense isn't great, um, or Sterling Shepard. You maybe roll with that stack. It's a little bit of a tougher matchup, but that'd be the only option, I think, if I'm Kevin, I'm considering. Yeah. Oh, actually, I forgot. J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, Dobbins. I think I think Dobbins has to be started. Um, I'm not entirely sure who I would bench. Probably Mike Williams, but you have to start J.K. Dobbins because I don't think Mark Ingram's going to play this week. No, I, I, he's not. And then Dobbins is going to get the bulk of the workload there, which is when we look at my lineup, part of the reason why I have um, Gus Edwards in one of my flex spots is I'm hoping that you get some of those pieces. But, you know, I quarterback-wise, Josh Allen against Seattle is a great matchup. Drew Brees against Tampa Bay is not a great matchup this way. Um, Kirk Cousins plays Detroit. And then, crazy enough, I have the most professional backup in the entire world sitting on my bench in Chase Daniel. Um, and he has a juicy matchup against Minnesota. So, but it's, do I really want to roll my dice on a guy that hasn't started all year for an, for an option? I don't think I'm willing to take that piece. And it's hard to sit down and say that I'm not going to play Drew Brees in a matchup. Yep. Running back situation wise, I think I get Christian McCaffrey back this week. Indications came out said he looked like Christian McCaffrey this week, and he's got a great matchup against Kansas City. And then Philip Lindsay gets to play Atlanta. Okay. Not too shabby there. Mm-hmm. Um, wide receiver wise, Devontae Adams, uh, Cole Beasley, who has been everything outside of awful. He's been spectacular, super amazing. There had at least three catches in every game up until this week. Um, has had at minimum. 10 points every single week since week one. He's wide receiver 24 in PPR. Definitely a surprise this year. Yeah. Uh, I get to start Adam Thielen. Michael Gallup is very interesting to me. Obviously that's a very fluid situation. I've got to continue to look at, but when I look at my bench for flex options, I maybe have Joshua Kelly. Um, Mm -hmm. Great matchup against Las Vegas with it, but nobody really knows where that lion share is going to go to it. Um, I have Tyler Croft, but they play a lot better against the tight ends than they do against the wide receivers. Outside of that, maybe I have Jordan Akins, and that's going to Akins is coming back off of concussions that he got knocked the hell out in week four. Matchup against Jacksonville is good. So I, I'm sitting here thinking that Jordan Akins might be a potential start for me in here. But I don't really like some of my very limited options that I have access to. No, you really don't have... You really don't have the options. I mean, Gallup is such a wild card. Who knows what the Pittsburgh team looks like? Or um, not the Pittsburgh. The Dallas quarterback situation looks like against Pittsburgh. Getting ahead of myself. Um, But I don't think you can justify starting anyone else over him. Um, The only maybe option is Mike Davis. Um, Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey's obviously back. But has Davis done enough to still be involved in this offense? Maybe. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. But that's that's probably the best option I could see at this point. But you don't love it by any means. No, and the the piece that I've got a hope and a prayer, and you never want to sit going to a matchup saying, I need this hope and a prayer to happen, that you hope they run the ball like crazy and that they don't get blown up by Kansas City because that takes DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson off of Kevin's roster to where they're getting points (laughs) instead of me. So for for Kevin and I, we're very much watching this Carolina Panthers team, trying to figure out what we're doing. And obviously, you know, Kevin's got Kelsey. And uh, is Ridley going to play this week? Didn't practice Wednesday. He hasn't practiced yet, um, so I'm not entirely sure. But Kevin definitely has options. Kevin's one of the deeper teams in the league, yep. and uh, he can, you know, he can stomach that loss. And he might he's going to likely be down Galladay, so Kevin's bench is really going to be um, tested this week potentially. Yeah. So uh, I'll let you pick first with it, and then I'll give my pick, and then we can move on to our final thoughts. Yeah, I think just Kevin's got. I mean, the Stafford situation really sucks, and I think that gives you a glimmer of hope uh, just because starting Daniel Jones is a roller coaster of emotions. But I got to go with Kevin. I think top to bottom, he's just got a little bit of a stronger team, a little bit better matchups, and I think he's got to get J.K. Dobbins in here. But I just I like Kevin's team better than yours this week. Sorry, man. No, it, it happens. It was bound to come around here, but I'm going to I'm gonna do exactly what you should do when you throw the bad juju on him. I'm going to pick Kevin <laughs> as well with it. Uh, I'm going to go through. I'm going to make my, my voodoo doll. 
with it. And I'm going to put a couple pins in there and see what I can do for, you know, bad roster decisions, you know, Kevin overthinking a couple things yep. with it, but I'm going to take Kevin. I, Kevin sits pretty, I, this is the point where I've got to go one and one. I need to get a point here to make sure that I continue to stay relevant. That yep. if, if Adam takes care of his business, that I don't lose my, my opportunities there. So Kevin, good luck, bad juju, um, all the other fun stuff that goes with it. I never wish injuries on anybody, but you know, like if you've got a couple players that go out really early, I'll be okay with it. All right. Well, I think that covers it. Hopefully we don't have any um, technical issues uh, with COVID this one. Problems, yeah. yeah, COVID problems, whatever you want to call it. I don't know, but that was weird. Uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap up, Dan? No, nah, man, let's just, let, let's wrap it up. Heck yeah. It's, it's time to end things and we're doing something different closing music closing time it's 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 gonna be a fun week man week nine with it five weeks to go with this week in it let's have a little bit of fun here all right have a good one guys you too